aren't you glad? How many, be honest, if, if it were up to you? Yeah. I would have got rid of me a long time ago. I would have done me in a long time ago. How many times have I, probably you, got to deal with something in your life, and you'll say, God, I don't ever want to do that again. And before, before you blink, you've done it again. Right? God, take that out of my life. Don't ever let me say that again. And before you turn your head, there it is again. And isn't it amazing how quickly, well, how quickly we'll turn on each other. But, Brother Johnny, even how, how quick we'll turn on God. Buddy, I mean, if God doesn't lay everything out for us just like we think it ought to be, right? As long as he's blessing, we'll say, oh, boy, God's so good. But you let something go like you don't think it should. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of people just say, I'm done. I'm done with the Lord. And I, she sang that song, and I thought, my soul, God considers you a vessel of honor. Now, this world doesn't, does it? A lot of times, I don't think of myself that way. But you are a vessel of honor because of the grace of God. Amen. You, you're precious to him. You're valuable to him. The world's valuable to him. You know what, brother? Brother Russ will throw people away. I mean, it. You know, somebody doesn't act right. I mean, you, how many times you see and uh, you think about someone who's who's strung out on drugs and they OD and and there's a side of in our flesh you go. You know what? They got what they deserve. They shouldn't be doing drugs, right? But I wonder where you'd be if God treated us that way. Right? Over and over and over and over. He molds you. Bless his glorious name. He is wonderful. If you would tonight turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew. God has met with us tonight. God has met. Whoa. Huh? Yes, ma'am. Uh, when we were singing the choir song, I was thinking about when he sees me. Mm -hmm. And I love all y'all, and I care about how you see me, but it's not as important as how he sees me. Amen. Amen. And when he sees me, he sees that precious blood of the Lamb. Yeah. And for that, I'm so thankful. Amen. 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 You know, Brother Jerry, I told my kids a long time ago, I said, I don't... I don't want you to live a certain way because you're the pastor's kids, right? No pressure on my end. But if, if you'll live your life to honor him, being a pastor's kid won't be a problem, right? And, and, and just what she said, we're, we're so worried about how people see us, right? If we just worry about how he sees us, it'd take, it'd take care of the rest of it. Amen. Thank you, sister. Mm. I'm glad. Yes, ma'am. Did you love something that I that I 
may have been previous in my lifetime, but I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, I have I have had seizures, but let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I I was getting on a front on the front porch where I live one day, and I the seizures come in my head, and I said, Jesus, is that the feeling of epilepsy? I said, Jesus, is that the feeling of epilepsy? I said, if it is, help me not to have no epilepsy. And you know, brothers and sisters, that that feeling went just right away out of my head, brothers and sisters. And I can't thank God enough. Yes, right. Now, I can be sitting in where I'm living at or anywhere at times. And that thing like to come on me. And you know all what I got to do <laughs> is just pray to God. All I got to do right. is pray to God and say, God, help me that I won't have yeah. no epilepsy. That's right. All right. I got to do is just pray to him. I say, just help me. Amen. And then that third thing, I just go right on out of Amen. Yeah. I gotta say, I can't thank God enough, brother. Come on. Yeah. I know it's the way that God has been to me. I just can't thank God enough. Lord God. Amen. That's good. Thank How good God is. And I don't yes. know why people don't want to live for a good God like that. Just watch it over everybody out here in this whole life. clear I'm not going I'm not messing this up if God's yes ma'am I'd like to thank the Lord for saving me tonight um, I, after I lost my dad I uh, kind of lost myself I, I think I really Hard to describe, but I think I really saw like my grief 
tell you something when you lose somebody husband wife dad mom it'll it'll show you what you what you're made of right see if you don't really and again I'm not discrediting her I'm saying in general if, if you don't really have a close relationship personally with the Lord you know a lot of times as as men we'll say well the husband's the head of the home and the high priest of the home and it's your responsibility and it is but ladies if you don't have a personal walk with God if you're dependent on your husband to to get you close to God and young people if you're dependent on your mom and daddy to say it's my mom and daddy you know we do devotions and we do that's why I'm close no it's got to be personal and and you start setting people up in your life even if even if you don't mean to and God takes them out you know what? He's saying, okay, now, now you got to depend on me. And if and it, it'll rock your world. It sure will. And uh, you, you never know what death. You say, well, I'd never do that. You better be careful what you say you'll never do. Amen. We're all one step away from getting out of the will of God. One decision. That's all it takes, right? That's why we were talking this morning. You got to die daily, right? You got to get up every day and say, "Today, it's me. It's me and Jesus. That's it." And if you don't, I promise you this. You know, if you're living off past blessings and past relationship and past closeness to God, today, well, it'll be your demise. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's got to be. It's got to be Jesus today. Amen. Thank you, sister. Amen. All right. I just want to give you a scripture. I'm not going to preach long tonight. I don't want to interfere with what the Lord's doing. But I'll I'll say this. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28. I'll read you this scripture, and I'm going to give you the outline in quick form. 
Bible said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, notice what Jesus said. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. As we come upon the Easter time and the time we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, he, he's pointing to this scripture and says that he came this time not to be, not to be ministered to, not to be servant uh, served he came to serve he came the first time to go to the cross and die and he goes on to say this that he came to give his life a ransom for many so he's painting the picture of what servitude looks like that he would lay down his life for not only the disciples and his followers but really he laid it down for people who would reject him as a matter of fact you remember the Jews said this will not have this man rule over us and even today, we have people saying the same thing. I don't want Jesus. She said it. How could you not serve a good God? Well, there's millions of people all over this world that's saying, I don't want to serve God. In this community, in the buckle of the Bible belt, there's thousands of people, tens of thousands of people saying, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to go to church on Sunday night. I have a, we, me and God have an understanding, right? No, you, you don't have an understanding with God. See, this portion of Scripture is interesting because James and John's mother came with a request to make the two of them next in line in authority. And that wasn't just them. Matter of fact, all the disciples were discussing who, uh, what the hierarchy was, what the pecking order was. And Jesus lays out this thing and he says, look, I'm, uh, I'm the master, right? A servant is not above his master. That's what he tells them over and over. And then he lays out this scripture and he says this in verse 27, Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And so we put all this emphasis on power and authority and who's got the corner office and, you know, uh, what your rank is. Are you the vice president? Are you the president? Are you the head of the department or whatever? Are you the senior pastor or the executive pastor or the associate pastor? I had a guy that, the other day and I did a funeral. He said, brother, I'm sorry, I just put Pastor uh, McDaniel. I didn't put doctor. Does, does that offend you? I said, I don't care what you put down here, amen. Just as long as you get my name right, I don't even care about that. See, we get so caught up in the titles of everything that we want to we be served. And the Lord is laying out the example. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. And as a matter of fact, if you'll recall, uh, before he went to Calvary, he washed the disciples' feet to show them the act of servitude. And so Jesus uses himself as the example of a servant, a ransom. And so the creator of everything is going to give himself for everyone. I mean, let that, let that sink in. Yes, sir. He created us, yet he is going to die for us. He, he created us, yet he came to serve us. And now, even 2,000 years later, if we're honest, Brother Matt, you know what we do? We still want Jesus to serve us. We still are asking him to serve us. He served us when he went to Calvary. He served us when he died in your place. Now it's our uh, responsibility to serve him and to serve each other. That's what he tells us. How do people know, uh, know that you're mine? Because you love one another. And so the creator is 
serving the created. Ransom, the word ransom means the price paid to procure the pardon for sin, uh, the price to deliver and release from capital punishment. And Jesus saying that he's the ransom. Right. So we talked a little bit about this morning, and uh, so I'm going to go quickly. Number one, in this scripture, we see a couple things uh, about a ransom. First is the requirement. And uh, I mentioned this morning that the, the ransom or the kinsman redeemer had to understand what is required. Yes. you got to understand. So Jesus knew exactly what was required of him that he would go to the cross and die on Calvary for your sins and mine. And as a matter of fact, when he prayed to the Father, you remember, he said, not my will but thine be done. So he was fully aware uh, of, of Calvary as a matter of fact from the time he was born till he drew his last breath on earth that's what his life was about and really think about this his, his life from birth to death was there to glorify God and do the will of God correct well may I ask you this what is, what is your purpose in life uh, from the time you uh, first draw breath till the time you draw your last breath one thing bring glory to God serve him Nothing else matters, folks. Listen, we're so caught up in, in everything about this world and we're caught up in all the minutia and all the small things of life that this matters and this matters and this matters. But I promise you, when you draw your last breath and you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing's, he, don't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care how many properties you own and he doesn't care what your 401k looks like and he's not impressed with how many plaques you hang on your wall and he's not impressed brother Jimmy whether, whether I have a doctorate degree or whether you don't he doesn't care he just wants to know did you bring glory to me and so from the, the requirement was that, that the ransom must understand the payment that must be made. He understood that the only thing, the only person that would satisfy the holiness of God was Jesus. And then he had to have the ability to give what is required. See, there's no one else that qualifies. God set a standard and said this is what it cost uh, to buy your sin. This is what it cost to pardon your sin. And that is perfection. He had to be perfect. He had to live a sinless, perfect life. You must have the resources that will satisfy the requirement. I use the illustration. If you had owed a million dollars and I said, well, I can pay five, that does, I don't have the resources to take care of your debt. Jesus is the only one that has the resources that could take care of your debt and take care of mankind's debt. And so you must have the resources that satisfy the requirement. And then there must be a willingness to give what is required. You, you can know the requirement and you can have what's needed, but if you're not willing to do it, it doesn't matter. And so they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't hang him on the cross uh, by force. You with me? They, they, listen, if they would have said, if, they if, if the father would have said, take the cross and go hang on it, he wouldn't need any Roman soldiers. He could have done all that himself, right? If, if the will of God was for him to hang there 50 days, he would still be there 50 days later. Why? Because he's God. And so they didn't take him by force. As a matter of fact, as you study the gospel, every time they tried to get him, right? I mean, they, they were trying to take him until it was his time to go. They couldn't handle him. And then even when they came out to get him, he willingly went with them. He willingly stood before Pilate. He willingly let them 
uh, bludgeoned him. He willingly let them hang him on the cross. He willingly died for your sins and mine. See, there has to be a willingness. He was never forced to do it. Listen, may I say this? Jesus, God, would have been just. He would have been just fine. If he, if he never left heaven, let all of us die and go to hell. He'd still been God. And, and you couldn't say, well, that's not fair, God. I didn't, do, I, didn't, I didn't deserve going to hell. You did. We all did. Right? You, you wouldn't be able to point your, your, your right, self-righteous finger in the face of a holy God and say, I don't deserve this because you and I would deserve every bit of it. Yet he willingly went to the cross. So in this ransom, there's a requirement. It doesn't matter if you can't meet the payment. Listen, how many know this? You, you, you go and uh, you get your car and they say, well, your payment's going to be four or $500 a month. And you go in there and one month you say, well, I, you know, I, I've, been, I've been good up till now, but I only got $100 to give you this month. Well, they may let you go a month or two. But at some point in time, somebody's going to show up at your uh, house with a tow truck. They're going to get their car back. You may have had a willingness, but there was a requirement that you make the minimum payment on that thing. And so the requirement for a ransom is, and God says this, he said, he said that uh, the wages of sin is death. So someone had to die, something had to die for you. So then number two, as you see in this scripture, you see the ransom. He said, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. So he's given the requirement. He, he's, he was a servant. And by the way, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a little Christ, you have to be a servant. You might be saved, but you can't be like Christ unless you're a servant. And let's be honest. In most churches today, there's not a lot of servants. There's a lot of people who won't be served. Amen. Might as well say amen there. So the ransom... Is this? He said he came, uh, but to minister and to give him his life a ransom for many. So, how? What is the ransom? Well, you have to first look at his divine life. Now, I want you to. I'm gonna stop here for a minute. I'm gonna slow down because when I when I studied this, this hit me like a. I mean, it just. Now we'll say. We've heard Jesus died for you, right? That's, we, we've, we've, we've got that in us, Brother Jose, we've heard that. But here, here's what I want you to, here's, here's what hit me. God died for you. We almost in our mind sometimes think, you know, God the Father's up in heaven and here, here's this little boy, right? Now son, I'm gone. God died for you. The, God died for you. That's how much he loves you. Right? See, see that when, when we look at for God so loved, right? Well, see, yeah, well, there's God in heaven somewhere on the back side of the universe. And he sent Jesus to earth to die for us. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to convict us. And the Holy Spirit lives within, in us. But the fact is, I believe, I believe in the uh, in the uh, deity of Christ. In the I believe in the in the uh, uh, the, the triune that God is Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit, that all three of them are God. So when Jesus came and died for you, God died for you. When the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, God came to live inside of you. Buddy, you, you think about that for a minute. God died as you and God died for Because in our minds, sometimes you know what we do? We think Jesus is a man. Well, he was a man, but he was God. So we miss the fact, we think this man died for us. Well, a man could not die for you. God had to die for you. He had to have a divine life. See, all the requirements that God had of the perfect lamb, all the law that he laid down, Jesus did it all. So here's what I'm saying. God took care of salvation himself. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. He didn't need the Baptist brethren. He didn't need the council. He didn't need a convention. Hello? He didn't need a sword crowd. He didn't need a house crowd. He didn't need the camp meeting crowd. He didn't need any of us, and he didn't ask any of us. He didn't call the Methodists and the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Pentecostals and the Catholics say, y'all get together, figure out what the best solution was. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to require it. There's only one person that can do it, and it's me. Hallelujah. And he's still doing it. Amen. And it's still God doing it. And it's still God's requirement. And it's still God's mercy. And it's still his miracle that he would save a wretch like us and that he would make us over and over just like she sang about. His divine life is perfect life. He perfectly met every obligation, every requirement, and his redemptive plan is perfect. You don't have to add to it. I don't care if people say, well, you've got to be baptized to be saved. No, you don't. Well, you've got to join the church, and you've got to take communion. You've got to go through confirmation. Add all you want to, but you ain't getting saved that way. God don't need your help. Well, I read in church history, I care less about church history when it comes to salvation. Right? God had a plan from the foundation of the world, and he didn't call man to say, what do you think about it? He didn't call Paul the apostle or John. He didn't call Peter and say, "What? How you? Let's, let's get together disciples and figure this thing out. When he got here, he knew exactly what the plan was. And it's still the same. Hallelujah. I'm glad he hadn't changed it. I'm glad he hadn't modernized it. I'm glad he hadn't compromised it. I'm glad it's still Jesus. Amen. His perfect life and his loving life. His life was given out of love for the Father. He, he, loved, he loved the Father. He said, I'll do it. If you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Look at, look at Abraham. Look at his son. What did he say? He said, I see the wood. See the fire. I'm about to help myself now. Can you imagine? Here's... here's Here's a boy that had so much confidence in his walk. Yeah, his yeah. daddy's walk with God. That yeah. yes. he said, Isaac, come on. Where are we going? We're going up to worship God a while. I thought we had to do it with the lamb. Daddy, I see the wood and I see the fire. He said, don't worry, son. God will provide himself yeah. a lamb. See, God, Abraham had enough confidence in God to take his only begotten, the promised son, and was, was willing 
to lay him on an altar. And brother, may I say this? I don't think Isaac was some little pipsqueak five-year-old. You know what he could have done? He could have overpowered his daddy. His daddy wasn't a young man. I mean, if I recall, if I'm wrong, tell me. But he's a hundred and something. Now, I'm thinking a scrapping young man, if he really wanted to overpower his daddy, could have done it. But boy, he let him lay him up on that altar. His daddy got ready to raise that knife. He was, that boy was willing to let his daddy stick that knife in him if it was the plan of God. That's how much faith we got to have. Right? He loved you enough to say, I will not withhold my best from you. Now it's our, it's our reciprocation of love that we're saying, God, I'll, I'll give you my best. And you say, what is that? You. He wants you. He wants to make you a vessel of honor. He don't want your wallet. People, I, I, all they care about at the church is getting money in the offering plate. I'd, I'd rather have you in the offering plate. Don't you come up here and put yourself in here. Because when you put yourself, it's not just your wallet. It's your life and your dreams and your hopes and everything you've got. That's what he wants in here, you. He's got all the money he needs, by the way. The ransom. He's the ransom. He said he came to give himself a ransom for who? Many. And then number three, look at the reach. Available to all. And it didn't say here. Give his life a ransom for all. It's not that he wasn't available. It's that everybody wouldn't accept the ransom. God doesn't discriminate. He didn't pick some and cast out some. He offered it to the Jew. They didn't want it. He gave it to the Gentile. He's given it to the believer. And to the non-believer. Whosoever. I still believe in that, don't you? All this Calvinistic garbage where God's... Why, let, me, let me tell you something. Why would God create you to send you to hell? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, but what about this? What about the, the, the foreknowledge of God and the predestination of God? Read it in context. He predestinated you to be in the image of His Son. That didn't have anything to do with going to heaven or hell. Right. Amen. Right. Don't get caught up in all that garbage. Right. And you tell me something. Why is it these Calvinists, every one of them's going to heaven and all their families going to heaven? So you're saying that God picks a family and says, well, I believe in household salvation. Well, I do too, praise God. But they all have to come the same way. Amen. You tell me. Oh, yeah. Well, And you tell me something else. If God was going to take some and send them to heaven, and take some and send them to hell, why wouldn't he take the Jew and send all of them to heaven and send all of us to hell? Don't get caught up in that. Well, you know what it does? It makes people feel privileged. Oh, I'm one of God's chosen. Listen, you, you don't come by the way of the cross, you'll have your back broken hell like every drug addict, dealer, and every pedophile. It's not about that. It's about what you've done with Jesus Christ. It's available to all. 
Hallelujah, praise God. I'm glad if it wasn't for that, Jose, we'd all be in hell today. It's available to all, and, and it's accepted by many. It didn't say all. It didn't say a multitude. Narrow is the way. By the way, heaven ain't going to be that crowded. Those who receive the finished work of Christ. Those who place their trust in him. God's less interested with your denomination. Right? He's less interested in your affiliation than he is with your reconciliation and your regeneration. Now tonight, we ought to thank God. If you've got nothing else to thank him for, thank him you're not in hell. I want to do this tonight. God laid on my heart a little while ago while she was singing. Miss Susan, will you come? Brother Jeff, can you bring up I Surrender All? Get me a hymnal. I'm going to need my glasses. I Surrender All. I don't know what page it is. Somebody look that up. 153. I want to do this. Let's stand up and sing that together. And here's what I want to do. You can call it invitation. You need to come to the altar. You come. But I want us to sing this as a church. And I want us to.